Support for this program is provided by Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. This morning, the chief executives of six oil companies are testifying before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. The hearing comes as the Biden administration and Democrats try to figure out the best way to address record high gasoline prices, which is becoming a political liability for the party ahead of the midterm elections. To preview today's hearing, so can you first introduce yourself with your name and your position, please? Sure. Uh, Mike Summers, American Petroleum Institute president and CEO. I sat down with the chief representative for the oil industry. This industry is dealing with the same kind of issues that other industries have dealt with. We have a worker issue in terms of workers coming back into the industry. There's also significant supply constraints. It's Wednesday, April 6th. So what is the role of large oil companies that you represent and who are going to be present at this hearing in actually setting retail gasoline prices? Well, in fact, they have no role in setting retail gasoline prices. The oil and gas industry in the United States, more than anything, is a price taker, not a price maker in this space. We respond to the oil prices that are set by global markets, by the commodities markets. We have no role in in actually setting the price. Those are done by the futures markets uh, in the United States and abroad. What do you think has had more of an impact on U.S. oil production? Is it Biden's policies or the price crash during the pandemic and the supply demand picture? Well, there's not one issue. Of course, there was a significant decrease in demand as a consequence of of the pandemic. We had an administration that when they came in, their focus was on turning away from the oil and gas industry and their policies followed suit. In fact, so far, we have not had one lease sale onshore in terms of federal lands and only one in the offshore. And that one on the offshore was actually invalidated by a federal judge. And the Biden administration has decided not to appeal that ruling that was left to my organization, the American Petroleum Institute. So that's just one example of one of the policies that they implemented very early in this administration. So yes, of course, there also has been investor pressure. There's been a renewed focus on earnings. But the other issue that I would throw in that hasn't gotten a lot of attention is that this industry is dealing with the same kind of issues that other industries have dealt with. We have a worker issue in terms of workers coming back into the industry. There's also significant supply constraints. Um, you know, this is an industry that depends on a lot on frack sand, for example. And we're having difficulty getting steel for tubulars to, to get the product from where it is to where it needs to be. So I do think that there's a combination of factors that have gone into the question. But, you know, the one thing that I think policymakers have control over is those policies that have significantly dampened American supply. You know, one thing, you know, along with accusations from Democrats of price gouging, of course, is, is they're saying, hey, you're kind of taking advantage of the current moment, calling for pro-drilling policies. You know, we're seeing even Democrats say they want to see more some short-term production. And you're kind of using this moment to focus on undoing some of the policies that have more of a long-term trajectory from this administration. That might not necessarily have a huge effect on the current price environment. What, what do you say to that? 
Well, first of all, what I'd say is that this is a long-term industry. You know, when you're developing a lease uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, for example, uh, it takes almost a decade to actually uh, go from lease sale to production in the Gulf of Mexico, for example. So it's not like there is just a secret valve that we can turn on and off uh, when demand requires it. So this is, by definition, a long-term investment. And it's not like we can just start producing more in one year and then expect that there's not going to be that demand five years later. So it requires a regulatory environment that emphasizes stability, that emphasizes that we're going to need this production for decades and decades to come. So the position of our industry and the position of API in particular has been consistent, that the United States should lead the world in the production of both oil and natural gas because it provides energy security, not just to the United States, but to the world. Gotcha. And just wanted to do one more question kind of on the you know SPR release, a ma- major release announced by President Biden late last week. We're seeing other major consuming countries saying they're going to do the same. So, you know, SPR releases are, of course, supposed to address supply disruptions. Does the industry believe the current situation requires the release of extra supplies or is this simply a move to address politically damaging high prices? So purely a political move in your mind? Well, let's be clear. We're in the middle of a supply emergency, an energy emergency throughout the world. So we do believe that the the steps that the president has taken on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve were appropriate. At the same time, we need to be sending signals, not just to American producers, but to world producers, that we're going to need a lot more oil and gas into the future. And I think it's challenging for us where on one hand, they're talking about increasing supply from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, but not implementing policies that are going to emphasize increased demand and the necessity of increased supply in the long term. So to me, it's on the one hand and on the other, you know, you have uh, a president that understands the importance of increasing supply through the SPR. But on the other hand, they're not emphasizing the importance of long-term investment within the industry because we know the world's going to be needing more oil and gas, not less, far into the future. Quick follow-up. Do you see any chance that this huge SPR release actually you know, disincentivizes producers from coming back in the fold, that it actually has a you know, negative effect in that way? I think that is certainly a concern and one that we're looking at right now. This is the, you know, the largest supply increase from the SPR that we've ever seen. And we don't know what the unintended consequences are going to be, but it's something we're going to keep a keen eye on. Also, the Environmental Protection Agency is moving to ban nearly all remaining uses of asbestos. EPA's proposal Tuesday is a landmark moment in the decades-long effort to end the use of the fiber, which has been found in products like insulation, drywall, pipe coatings, roofing shingles, and vehicle brakes. Asbestos is a material known to cause lung cancer when inhaled and still lingers in millions of U.S. homes and schools. EPA's decision to ban the substance is the first time the agency has flexed its regulatory muscles under the Toxic Substances Control Act. That act was updated by Congress back in 2016 to significantly strengthen the agency's ability to restrict or ban chemicals used in commerce that pose serious health risks. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow.
Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future. Learn more at chevron.com slash lowercarbon.